All right, so we left off last week speaking about the last parasha of Kriyat Shema, which was the parasha of Tzitzit. We spoke about the source, why we, why we say the parasha of Tzitzit, mm-hmm. uh, what relevance Yitziat Misraim has <clears throat> to Kabbalat Ol Malchut Shemaim, what um, we, we spoke about, what relevance the parasha of Tzitzit had to Yitziat Misraim, and we spoke a little bit, a little bit about the halachot and the minhagim regarding that paragraph. So now we continue with the bracha of emet v'yatziv. So the bracha of emet v'yatziv um, and azatavotenu afterwards first begins speaking about the greatness and the the, the great. Uh, Attributes of the the statements made in Kriyat Shema. It, speak, it speaks about the it praises the thing which we have just said. It speaks about the greatness of Kriyat Shema, um, and then it turns to speak about the truth of Hashem's existence in general. So first, it specifically pra- first it specifically is mekayim and kind of um, approbates the words which were just said in in Kriyat Shema, and then it starts to speak about Hashem's. Um, the truth of Hashem's existence in general. So, notably, the Gemara in Psachim, Daf Kuvdalet says that this bracha does not start with Baruch, doesn't start with Baruch Hashem Olam. The Gemara over there says because it's bracha smucha lechaverta, and the uh, Shpam explains that that means it's samuch lechaverta of Ahavar Abba. It's an unusual form of bracha where the bracha, two sides of the bracha, sandwich together Kriyat Shema, and then. Um, the first one, Avara, uh, you have the Yotzer or Avara Ba, Avara Ba also, or Avat Olam, according to Sfaradim, does not start with Baruch Hashem. We all hearken back on the Baruch Hashem at the beginning of the Baruchot Kriyat Shema, then we finally end all of the Baruchot with Baruch Hashem. So that's that's the way these Baruchot were configured, because it's Mukhala Chaverta of Ava, to Avara Ba and, and previously to Baruch Hashem of Yotzer or, it doesn't need to start with Baruch Hashem. We spoke about what that means. That is a bracha smucha lechaverta. Um, uh, a couple of shirim ago, probably a few months ago, that generally a bracha needs to start. The Ramban speaks about this in Chumash. <coughs> that um, there's the there nochach and the nistar. We start off baruch Hashem, right? Blessed are you Hashem. And then we pivot and we start to speak about him in the third person, Elokeinu, our God. Melech uh, Halam, who is the king of the universe, and that's done. That's done deliberately, for for kabbalistic reasons, for how we bring down bracha into our world. However, once we've already said Baruch Atah Hashem in a bracha previously, the next bracha can kind of connect to the previous bracha, and it doesn't require that same system of Nochach Ven Nistar. It could sandwich itself using the other bracha. That's what we spoke about the details of how that worked a little bit um, in a previous shiur, and I'll. Try to remember which one it was as we go as we go on. Okay, so now the history. The earliest record of this tefillah is the Mishnah in Brachot and the Mishnah in Tamid. The Mishnah in Tamid actually says that this is one of the tefillot that the Kohanim said in the Beit Hamikdash, which is quite early. And the Mishnah in Brachot already refers to it as a Metviatziv, and therefore it's it would um, seem that it was already a well-known tefillah in the time of the Mishnah, which is at the time of the Tanaim. And so we're talking, of, you know. Uh, between the years uh, 70 uh, CE until the year 300 CE, uh, the, the, basically the generation, or 400 CE, the generation of the Tanaim. 
So, or maybe it ended in maybe 150 or 200 C. I don't remember off the bat. So, the Gemara here in Brachot, I brought it in front of us, speaks about the Bracha as if it's a Chova. So it says, and there's the, the two dots here, Amar Abba, Amdaf Yudbet Amar Aleph. Amar Abba Barchinina Saba Mishmed Rav. Different gersaut of who said this, but uh, everyone agrees that it was in the name of Rav, either of Rava Barchanina or Rava Barchinina. Kol Shalom Amar Emet V'yatsiv Shachit V'emet V'emunaravit. All those who don't say Emet V'yatsiv in the morning, and Emet V'emunah, the Barcha V'emet V'emunah by night, he does not fulfill his obligation. As the Pasuk says in Tehilim, to, to tell of God's great uh, kindness in the morning, loving kindness in the morning, and his, love, and his faithfulness at night. So the Rishonim don't, in other words, the, the Gemara here is seeing the bracha of emet v'yatziv and the bracha of emet v'amunah as complementary, c- complementing each other. They're complementary brachot. Emet v'yatziv and emet v'amunah are very similar, and they complement one another. The pasuk says that in the morning we have to tell of Hashem's uh, great kindness, and at night we have to tell of His faithfulness. So emet v'amunah corresponds to the night, and emet v'yatziv corresponds to the chesed in the morning. So the Rishonim don't take this idea of of chova, the words chova to mean literally. Uh, Rashi says that it means that you're not, you'll say, you don't do the, the, the mitzvah at its best. Because technically, um, we have a chiyuv doraita to say, to remember Yitziat Mitzrayim every day. And therefore, the chachamim were metakein that this should be one of the ways in which we say Yitziat Mitzrayim. And we should remember Yitziat Mitzrayim. And therefore, if you don't do it, you're not, you'll say it kitikuna. So Rashi and Tosafot learn that the expression here, the pasuk, refers to refers to Yitziat Mitzrayim and the Geulah HaTida, meaning both in the past, the Exodus, and in the future redemption. So Rashi says as follows. Rashi says, The entire bracha of Emet V'yatziv, if you look through it, is all about the kindness which Hashem did to our forefathers, that he took them out of Mitzrayim, and he split the, the ocean for them and passed them through. And the bracha that we say at night, which is Emet V'yatziv, also speaks of the future redemption, that we hope, that we pray to Hashem that He shall fulfill his promise and his faithfulness to redeem us from from uh, from the monarchs and from the tyrants. Then we pray that Hashem bring us many salvations uh, constantly. That's the that's the way that Rashi interprets the the, the economy here of the pasuk. Uh, we have faithful, we're faithful that Hashem, throughout the darkness of the Galut, uh, the nighttime of the Galut, will eventually bring us redemptions, not just constantly, but also the ultimate redemption. So many Rishonim, Tosafot brings this, and the Rokeach brings this, and a lot of the Ashkenazi uh, um, Rishonim bring this uh, uh, Pirush. They, they all... Uh, explain Emet V'yatziv in a different vein. Um, they, they explain, I'm sorry, the pasuk of in a different vein. And it seems like they all had the same Mesorah, 
the same tradition for how to explain uh, this pasuk of Hagiba Bakachastecha. <coughs> and we saw this many, many moons ago when we did the the bracha Shema. So by the bracha Shema, <coughs> we spoke about this midrash in Tilim. It's also midrash in Bereishit Rabbah. It's a midrash in Echa, where the midrash says that at night <coughs> a person's soul goes to heaven and it's returned to him in the morning. So <coughs> I want to read the. <coughs> Sorry, the language of, of the midrash here very quickly. Davar acher elecha Hashem nafshiasa. Right, it says in Tilim in uh, <coughs> in uh, Perak Chafei, uh, David Amalek says that to you Hashem I lift up my soul. So zehu shamar katuv biadcha afkiduchi. In your hands I I entrust my my spirit. Binohek shebaolam adam afkidi na sol piktonot vuhu machlif as shel bazevet shel zebazev. Um, meaning a typical person, once he's a custodian for another person and he watches his object, sometimes he mixes them up. Oh, uh, this is, was yours, or that was yours. Hashem is not like that. But Ella, as it says in the Pasuk in Yermiah, Hashem Elohim Emet. Our uh, Hashem, our God, is truthful. Meaning that Hashem does not make any mistakes and Hashem returns our soul to us in the morning. Now this is the exact same Pasuk which the Gemara's uses to say Hashem Elohim Amet, that Hashem is our God, our God is true, is the exact same pasuk which the Gemara uses to say that when we say Hashem Elohim at the end of Tzitzit, we're supposed to say Emet. Because Yirmiyah said Hashem Elohim Emet, so Hashem Elohim Emet um, is the way we, we end off the parashah of Tzitzit. So this seems already to have a relation. Did a person ever wake up in the morning and look for his soul and not find it? Did a person ever wake up in the morning and his soul was inside the body of someone else? Or someone else's soul was in, in him? We say in the Pasuk, Hashem, our God, is true. Amar Rabbi Alexandrai, Basar Vedam, Rabbi Alexander said, When people borrow objects, they return it more worn out. We give him our spirits when we're all tired at night, and he returns it to us freshened and anew, meaning Hashem purifies our soul at night. Okay, and then this is the the language at the end that says that that brings the pasuk of Chadashim la Bikarim Raba Munatecha that uh, that he renews every morning. How great is his faithfulness? This is the uh, the language used in uh, in Elokayin Shema Raba Munatecha. So. The Rishonim say that emet that at night we say emet that we have faith. We have uh, uh, it says Rabba Munatecha. We have a lot of faith when we entrust our souls to Hashem And in the morning we thank Hashem for being quote unquote truthful or faithful, and we praise Him for giving us back our soul, even though. You know, the reality is that sometimes you could go to sleep and not wake up. So Amet V'yatsiv is a praise, praise for receiving our our soul back. Um, incidentally, the the in the Sidur Yavetz, he says that the Pasuk of Hashem Elohim Emet is very specific. You know what? I'll pause here for a second and we'll, we'll, we'll get to this in a, just a second. So the... The the problem with this whole this whole this whole upshot that the pasuk of lagiba v'kastevon lechabelilot is speaking about um, uh, entrusting your soul in the, at night 
and then getting it back in the morning, is that this has no relevance to the rest of the, of the, the, the passage. We're in the middle of Kriyat Shema. Why, why is it that when we're finished saying Kriyat Shema, we're suddenly going to thank Hashem for getting our Neshama? We already took care of this by Elokai Neshama. We took care of this by Elokai Neshama. Why is it suddenly in the middle of Kriyat Shema? We're talking about Kabbalat Machut Shema, we're talking about Yichud Hashem. Why is it that we're suddenly interrupt to say thank you Hashem for giving us our Neshama back? So, we saw many times here that this um, <coughs> section of the tefillah is known as the Olam Habriya. What that means is that in a spiritual sense, the in the spiritual world, there's a world called the world of Bria. And from a meditative sense, the entire section of Kriyat Shema is in that realm. This is the realm of thought. And in the spiritual realms, it's the, the world of souls, so the, wor- the world of higher uh, angels. So the Heichal that we were just... So in Bria, there's different Heichalot. In the spiritual world of, of Bria, which, to which our prayers correspond here, there's different Heichalot, different chambers. The section, the chamber we were just in, in Shema, was called Heichal Ahava, the chamber of love, which we spoke about very, very briefly. This chamber is called the Heichal HaRatzon. Emet V'yatziv is the Heichal of Ratzon. So the Heichal of Ahava, according to the Zohar and Pikudeh, is the Heichal where all the normal Neshamot reside. Heichal HaRatzon is a Heichal where only the loftiest uh, Neshamot actually reside. So it could be that because we're in the two, we're, we're crossing over and we're connecting the two chambers, we're going straight from Ahava to Ratzon, it is possible that... There is a relationship here to neshamot, and be, there is has to be some sort of mention to the neshamot which occur in these chambers. That's a possibility. Um, I would not speculate that it's true, but it's definitely a possibility. It's not out of character because the olam habriyat is the olam neshamot. Now the Yavetz actually speaks about this connection. He speaks about of Hashem alokim emet that Hashem alokim is chesed gvura, which is hechal of zchut and ava, and emet is teferet. So that's why the Gemara, that's why the Gemara says Hashem emet because of Titan emet Yaakov, you have to combine chesed gvura and teferet, and therefore we link Hashem emet with emet v'yatziv because we're comb- we're basically linking the worlds which we ju- the chambers which we just went from, and we're going into this this higher chamber. So <clears throat> now here comes the uh, a, a more historical dive, and that is who exactly wrote Emet V'yatziv. So, there's about three different versions of uh, three different stories that are given as to who wrote Emet V'yatziv, and two of those stories have serious variations. So, in total, there's about four or five different claims as to who wrote Emet V'yatziv. So, the first is the simplest. The Rokeach asserts that this tefillah was written by by the Anshei Knesset HaGdola, which is very typical. You know, we have the Shmona Esrei and many other tefillot which are written by Anshei Knesset HaGdola. And uh, um, by the Nevi'im, he says, by the Nevi'im that were among them. So the Hasidic Ashkenaz, and I believe it was the Machsar also asserts that they did this in, no, it was the Sidur Rashi. He asserts that they, that they, that not only did the Anshei Knesset HaGdola write this, they also wrote it while they were in Bavel. For some reason, uh, which is an odd thing to say, because if you think about that, the, the time period in which they were in Bavel was before Ezra came back, with the, eventually with Nehemiah. So this would be pretty early. This is already uh, at the beginning, the very beginning of the first Beit HaMikdash, when most Jews were still uh, still around, still lived in Bavel. The, 
Although it's very easy to say that Tachiknesa Tagdola wrote it, it's also the hardest one to prove. Because, you know, it's easy to just say, yeah, this, this bracha was written by Tachiknesa Tagdola, but it's extremely difficult since they lived so long ago to really bring conclusive evidence or proof to that idea. The second version is a story. And this story is the story of an Igeret, some sort of letter. And there's a couple of versions of this story, but the most important uh, idea is that all we know is that there was an Igeret, and, it, it, and it, this, this letter involved Chachamim that lived in Eretz Yisrael. So the Rakeach says that while the Chachamim, this is just the language he says, he has, he, the, the, the version he heard was that while the Chachamim in Eretz Yisrael were in Yavne, and they were writing Shmona Esrei, which is a surprising statement to say, because they were probably just canonizing Shmona Esrei. The, the Chachamims, other Chachamim in Eretz Yisrael, sent them this tefillah, and they accepted it when they were, well, they accepted it as a, you know, as another addition into the Sidor. And this cigarette contained the 18 Kumim of Kriyat Shema. So there's another, a number of problems with this, with this, um, this claim. First of all, most of the Chachamim in Eretz Yisrael at the time of Rabbi Gamliel of Yavne were in Yavne at the time. So who would have been sending them this letter? Furthermore, um, what Shaykhut does, does the fact that the Chachamim in Yavne were working on Shmon Esrei have to do with sending them Emet V'yatziv? So in the Pardes of the Yeshiva Rashi, there's, and, and in the Sidur Rashi, there's an elaboration here. And it says that the Chachamim in Eretz Yisrael um, that were in the Yeshiva of Yavne were, were working on Shmona Esrei. It doesn't exactly, it sounds like from that language that they were writing it themselves, which is not the, the view of the Gemara. So most likely it means that they were either adding Laminim V'lamashinim or adding a Tzemach David. And they sent Shmona Esrei out to all the Jews around that were not living in Eretz Yisrael. And they sent it to Babel. So the Chachmei Bavel replied, in this version, the Chachmei Bavel replied, and they said, we like the work you're doing on Shmona Esrei, which, let's assume for now, was written already a few hundred years earlier by the Anshaknesset Agdola. And they replied with an Igeret that had in it um, the Tfilah of Baruch Hashem Lo'olam Amen V'Amen that we say in our Vit. And what was, their, what was included in the cigarette? They basically told the Chachamim in Yavne, we agree that the Shmon Esrei you're making is very nice, but the Shmon Esrei by Arvit is only a tefillah reshut. It's only an optional tefillah. And therefore, to show everybody that's just an optional tefillah, we have to insert a tefillah between Ga'al Yisrael and Shmon Esrei in order to show them that it's not a very important, that it's not a very necessary tefillah because normally you'd have to be somech gula tefillah. So they stripped in this uh, eighteen, uh, this tefillah with eighteen shemot Hashem, and they they stu- they sent them this uh, this letter with the eighteen shemot Hashem, the the tefillah Baruch Hashem Lolam Amen Vamen, and they said just like there are, you are making eighteen brachot in Shmona Esrei, we're gonna give you a a passage with eighteen names of Hashem to say before. Before the Shmon Esrei, just to show everybody that the Shmon Esrei of Arvit is only a Rashut. Okay, this is a very complicated, weird letter to send. But for after that, the Pardes says that they agreed, and based on their, uh, based on the the suggestion of the Chachme Bavel, they also wrote Yishtabach, which has quote unquote eighteen praises, 
and the 18 kiyumim of Emet Biatziv. So first of all, Yishtabach, that we the way we have it, does not have 18 praises. Second of all, Emet uh, Biatziv, the way we have it, doesn't have 18 kiyumim. It has 15, maybe 16, if you count the word Emet. So the, the language of this pardes is very bizarre and obscure. It doesn't really... Uh, and for example, the Hasidic Ashkenaz say we have we have uh, 15. The Shlomo Ben Shimshon from Jermeza says that we have 16. The Shibole Haleke quotes Rashi that we count 18. So the whole, it sounds like there was some sort of story and that the writing of this tefillah was a collaborative effort in Eretz Yisrael, but the actual details of what happened are completely lost to time. So it would make sense, though, that it was written in that era, that it was written in some... Uh, in the era of Rabbi Gamliel de Yavne, there's no reason to assume it was written earlier unless you realize that the Mishnah and Tamid says that they said it in the Beit HaMikdash. So if they were saying it in the Beit HaMikdash, one would question how much earlier than Rabbi Gamliel de Yavne was it written and were they only saying it at the end of the second Beit HaMikdash. So we have many different contradicting uh, points. The last version is a very another surprising version. The Hasidic Ashkenaz say that the Rokeach said something different. They say that, and we had a story like this uh, way back. We spoke about the, the, the brachot in the morning, right? So we, in, the brachot, in the morning we say like uh, in the total 18 brachot in the brachot ha-shachar, right? We say, we say, uh, So one of the reasons why we say so many brachot is because we have to reach 100 brachot every day. And the story goes that, and this is brought in the, in the Midrash already, and also mentioned in the Gemara, that in the time of David HaMelech, there was a plague that hit, hit Eretz Yisrael, and about 100 people were dying every day. So David HaMelech went to the Sanhedrin. David HaMelech was the king. He was also a Navi. He was also one of the chief Dayanim. So he went to the Sanhedrin, and he told them, uh, why this was happening. And he told them the reason it was happening was because B'nai Israel were not saying 100 brachot every day. The Mikubalim explain that there's a specific um, system or conduit of how bracha comes into our world. And it's very important for the way it comes into our world for there to be 100 brachot said every day in order to unlock all of that bracha. And because they weren't saying 100 brachot every day, Therefore, the, there were 100 people dying. So he asked the Sanhedrin for permission to ratify this new uh, decree that Bnei Israel, this new edict, that Bnei Israel would have to say 100 brachot every day. That's the version we have of that story. So the, what the Rokeach says is that sometime way, way later, this is in the time of the second Beit HaMikdash, obviously, or, or either a little earlier or a little later, um, there were Jews. The, all he says is that there were Jews living in Eretz Yisrael and there were Jews li- living in Bavel. And apparently, the Jews in Eretz Yisrael at the time were the bigger Tamid Chachamim. So he doesn't give a time period, but this could be multiple different time periods. And also then, which is already 800 years later, they had another incident where there's 100 people dying every day. So And this was happening in Bavel. And in Bavel, they had 100 people dying every day. So they sent a letter to Eretz Yisrael, what should we do? And they replied, are you willing to accept on yourselves a hundred brachot every day. And the community in Bavel replied yes. And the way they replied yes, the confirmation was, Right? So 
This thing, this ordinance, we are going to accept upon ourselves. So the entire Emet Viyati was an Egeret. It was a, a letter or a response approving this um, this uh, court or this uh, this suggested minhag that they accept to do 100, minhag, 100 uh, brachot every day. So although this is an interesting story, it's kind of odd that they would have this problem. Even if they were mildly Tamid HaChachamim, they would still probably have heard of this Takana of David HaMelech, which happened 800 years earlier. Why would they make the same mistake twice? And, you know, it doesn't doesn't really... Uh, there's no and there's also no more information given about this. And if you look at the rest of Emet Viatsiv, it doesn't really add up, because the later part, Ezata Votenu is speaking about Yitziat Mitzrayim. So why would they speak about Yitziat Mitzrayim? It could be that there were two separate parts. Emet Viatsiv is... For example, Emet Viatsiv would be um, one part that was written by one group of people, and Ezat Vavotenu would be a, a different uh, part written by a different group of people. But the history is very unclear. So that's the... Um, and also, <laughs> the Shibole Halakat has a very similar story, but without the detail of 100 people di- of hundred people dying every day. In the Shibole Halakat's version, they just... Um, Sent out a decree to, to, to do a hundred brachot, and then they accepted the decree. He never he never mentions that hundred people were dying. Another problem is that the Rishonim, many of the Rishonim, learn that Emet Viatziv is going back on Kriyat Shema. It's not going on Shimona Esrei. So all of these versions of the story that say that that they were writing it in response to Shimona Esrei, and that the eighteen names of Hashem or the eighteen Kiyomim correspond to the eighteen brachot of Shimona Esrei would seem a little bit flawed. Furthermore, it doesn't add up because what's the significance of 18? None of them explain what the significance of 18 is or was. And at the time of Yavna, they were even ruining Shemona Esrei. They were adding a 19th, or it was originally 17, and they added two more. There's all different versions as to what happened, so it doesn't even seem that there's a specific value to the number of 18. So there's a lot of question marks here, and the exact facts were obviously lost to time. So... We're going to leave the study of the actual text and the content of Emet Viatziv for another shiur because there's way too many ideas here that, um, that are included in Emet Viatziv. Um, we have, the, the counting that we have here is 16 kumim. There's Emet Viatziv, Nachon, Mekar, You could read it as 16. Um, but Schwab points out that it's actually eight pairs of two. So it's not 16 separate things. You have emet v'yatsiv, nachon v'yashar. I'm sorry, let me just get the lashon in front of us. We have emet v'yatsiv, nachon v'kayam. Then you have yashar v'neman. You have ahu v'chaviv, nechbad, naim, nora, adir, mitukan, mekubal, and tov Um Eight different pairs. And I heard a, a beautiful idea from somebody named Shmuel Kaplan. He says that the problem with the word emet all these other words you could in Hebrew you could find kind of like a, cor- a corollary. You can have a, a corresponding uh, word like Yashar and Neman are kind of similar. Ahuv and Chaviv are kind of similar, right? But Emet in Lashon Hakodesh is just Emet. You can't say Emet Emet. If you're going to say Emet Emet, there's no other word for truth in Hebrew. So, and if you would say Emet Emet and you'd repeat it, it would sound like you're saying two different things are true or two different gods are true. Therefore, it chose the word Yatziv which is Aramaic, and it just doubled it, Emet V'yatsiv. So that was his, his idea. So one of these pairs is actually contains an Aramaic word because there's no other word in Lashon HaKodesh for truth. Truth is simply truth. 
And that's the way it works. So the Nusach, one of the signs that this, that this tefillah is actually very ancient, um, it's a good sign, is that the Nuschaot, all of the different versions of the text, are remarkably similar across all different Sidurim throughout millennia. We have from the past 1,500 years, all of the, all of the texts that we can find of Amet Vyatsiv are remarkably, remarkably similar. There's minor variations here, maybe an extra vav, minus a vav, uh, one extra word, but it, for the most part, they're very, very similar, and that's generally a good sign that it's very, very ancient. So even the Temanim, <laughs> they keep mostly the Rambam's, Rambam's version, and theirs, theirs is actually, again, very similar to ours. They don't... Uh, they don't have the the version of, for example, of Sadia Gaon. If you look in the version of Sadia Gaon, he replaces the word Tov with the word Sadiq, which is unusual. Uh, he doesn't have uh, the expression Tov, and his order is a little bit different. Furthermore, he doesn't say Emet Viyatsiv. Sadia Gaon says Emet Yatsiv, and then everything else has a Vav. Um, and Rashi and Machsarvitri go so far as to have a completely additional sentence. I'm just going to pull up the language of the Rashi here for you. Um, Rashi... Let me just find it. I hear it is. Rashi has a completely extra sentence. Rashi says, Very similar to ours. But then Rashi has an extra sentence. Moshech chesed liodav that Hashem uh, draws kindness to those who know Him, and His righteousness to the upright of heart. That's probably one of the only major differences in any of the Rishonim, or any of the versions of the Hasidic Ashkenaz. Um, it's one of the only major uh, differences in Nusach, and nobody says it today for some reason, which again was probably lost to time. And... Um, We'll have to look, at, if you look at Ezra Abotenu, um, Ezra Abotenu has a lot more changes. There's, because the people used to add Piyutim, um, therefore Ezra Abotenu saw a lot more, um, it saw a lot more uh, variation and different uh, uh, elements of Nusach. Rashi's Girsav, Ezra Abotenu is Ozer Abotenu, just, you know, we, we know it as Ezrat, but it's, it's also come to change. We're going to have to look at the history of Ezrat after we're done Emet Viatsiv. But Emet Viatsiv has a voluminous amount of, of ideas and um, pirushim. Just to cite an example, there's six times it says the word Emet in, in uh, Emet Viatsiv. Uh, the Abu Durham says that those six times represent the six uh, different days of creation. Uh, the, one of the Tamidim, one, one of the, uh, I think, believe it was one of the Tamidim of the Gra, says that every one of the 16 words in Emet Viyatsiv correspond to another one of the 16 Psukim in Kriyat Shema. The word Emet corresponds to Shema Yisrael Shem Kenin Shem Achad. Yatsiv corresponds to Baruch Shem Kvod Machut Olamed. Avinachon corresponds to Ve'ahavta. And he has a Pasuk and he has a way of explaining how each one, how each one, uh, harkens back to a different pasuk, and each one is being mekayim, another pasuk in Kriyat Shema. So, we're going to have to look at all of those different variations and delve into the actual text of Bezat Hashem next week, and we're going to look at the minhagim of releasing your tzitzit, and uh, the whole idea of smichut geula letfilan. We'll look a little bit more at the, uh, at the, the finer differences of the nuschaut. So, we'll leave that for next week.